Welcome in to the Letterman Lounge, the Letterman Live, Letterman Lounge crossover on the Letterman Row YouTube channel. It's Letterman Abound. Matt Parker on the other side of that screen. I'm Spencer Holbrook. And what we're going to do here, we're just going to spend an hour, two hours, maybe the entire day. Who's to say, Matt? Uh, breaking down the 2024 Ohio State recruiting class, the wins, the losses, um, the almosts, the uh, celebrations, the disappointments. From Ohio State's 2024 recruiting class, 20 members of this class, all 20 of them have put pen to paper. Jeremiah Smith in the fold at 10 o'clock last night. Matt Parker was there to cover all of it. Matt, have you fully rested and recovered from National Signing Day yesterday on Wednesday? I mean, I don't know if such a thing exists as ever fully rested when when you do what we do, quite honestly. Um, I still got a couple bags under the eyes here. Uh, but you know what? We're going to keep rocking and rolling, baby. Like I said yesterday to you. I mean, there's a there's enough Folgers in the world to really just power through anything. Um, Folgers stand out here. So, uh, but yeah, ten oh two yesterday. I actually texted you and Andy Backstrom, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna shut the laptop, and you know what? We're just gonna wait until tomorrow." And then ten oh two, I fire up the old Twitter. And uh, see that Ohio State football has announced that Jeremiah Smith officially signed. And uh, as quickly as I shut the laptop, I opened it back up and got back to work. But, uh, yeah, man, yesterday was was bananas. Yesterday was absolutely nuts. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, let's let's do this, man, because the thing about National Signing Day is, of course, everybody loves National Signing Day, but – I mean, other than the guys actually signing, that's where the coverage for Letterman Row just kind of begins, right? Because yep. now it's not like, okay, the recruitments are over. As, as they say, the hay's in the barn, all it's left to do, you know. So whatever phraseology you want to use, all that they do on National Signing Day is sign or flip or stick. And so really signing day is just that, signing day. Beyond that, now becomes the can of worms that, that we dive into of, okay, what does this mean? Because yeah. signing day is all about the celebration of these kids getting to this part of the journey. Now it's what does it mean? So today on LettermanRow.com, yours truly, I've got the top three recruiters coming. We're not, we'll maybe discuss that a little bit, but I don't want to spoil any uh, announcements as we crown the recruiter of the year for Ohio State. I think you all know who it is. Um, five instant impact Buckeyes um, who who can help the roster as far as the team building side, uh, the team side that Andy Backstrom and Tim May and I covered. Um, but you know, where, where do you see, uh, the coverage going for Letterman Road just to give people a little bit of a behind the curtain peek? What, what, what do you got in the works, Matt, uh, as far as yeah. the impact of this recruiting class? I mean, this morning I published, uh, a column about how Jeremiah Smith's signature capped off what I think should be looked at as a successful day for Ohio state on Wednesday. I mean, they kept five-star edge rusher Edric Houston from flipping and signing to Alabama, which is absolutely big. Um, two phone calls, one of which was during Ryan Day's press conference, which I'm sure we'll talk about that press conference quite honestly later, like later in the show, but like also for the rest of our lives, because that was just wild uh, what happened at the Woody yesterday. Um, I mean, I that was big. So I'll have something about that as well. Uh also later today, and a lot of this stuff, I'm going to try and sprinkle it throughout the throughout the week here uh, as we move forward into the holiday season. Um, just to the folks watching, I have some time off coming up here as well. So 
little peek behind the curtain for the folks there. Um, gonna have some stuff coming out. I think later today, uh, gonna have position group grades. Uh, so I don't want to do any of that here. I will say already the wide receivers are gonna be an A. So that's that is the tease right there. Uh, they'll be an A, bringing in ten stars. So it's pretty good, I would say. Uh, position group grades, both offense and defense. Um, an in-state analysis. Uh, Ohio State signed three of the top five Ohioans in, in the 2024 cycle, which two of them are corners, and both uh, both of those corners were wanted by Michigan. So the fact that, A, Ohio State beat Michigan on the trail, and B, uh, beat them for in-state guys is very important. So we're going to do a, a breakdown on that, and I'm sure a smattering of other things as I start to regain some semblance of uh, being awake and being alert and everything like that. And uh, we'll go from there, you know, have some fun with it because this is fun. Yeah. If you've got in the comments, if you've got grades that you think for Ohio state uh, recruiting for each position, drop them down there, Matt. And I would love to see what uh, fans think about these grades. Um, I'm assuming there's going to be some harsh grades for the defensive line, but when you hold on to Edrick Houston, it, it kind of makes up for a little bit of that. And I know that's not something Ohio State fans want to hear um, because two isn't enough. And, you know, we talked about that a lot uh, on Wednesday's show on the Rapid Reaction um, over on the Letterman Road YouTube channel. If you haven't watched that yet, go watch that. There's a lot of people who have. Um, and we did talk about the defensive line a lot. So we're not going to spend too much time on that just because that's kind of a, a topic that we covered. And then we'll get into it in the, you know, of course, as we talk about the portal more, because now the attention on, especially on the defensive line, shifts to the transfer portal. But, uh, Matt, let's look at the top of this this recruiting class. Uh, Jeremiah Smith, obviously, there's not – I don't want to say that there's not a lot to talk about with him because – once he's signed, like he's an instant impact guy. He's going to play right away. He's, I said on Twitter that jokingly, but, but it's almost a, a thing that, that you would expect in the spring is like they could have just announced his signing by saying his black stripes has been removed. I think that's going to come in the spring, like Carnell Tate's was, like uh, Jelani Thurman's was. Um, other than, than him, though, the, the five stars, Mylon Graham, Jeremiah Smith, Edrick Houston, and Aaron Scott. Um, Man, that, that's an impressive five-star haul there. And I know Aaron Scott and Edrick Houston are not five-stars, um, according to, I think, any of the recruiting services. But when you do the the industry breakdown and, and where they average, they become five-stars because they're one of the top 32. But those four right there in the industry rankings, I'm really impressed with what Ohio State did because here's why, Matt, and I want your opinion on this. The last four or five years, the, the knock on Ohio State has been the offensive – the class, if you look at the class on on three, it looks offensive heavy. And it, to that point, the top two players in this class, according to the on three industry rankings, are offensive players. They're both wide receivers, Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham. But you also bring in two defensive five stars, and that's something that we haven't seen a ton of in the last couple cycles. But I think you're seeing this staff get more comfortable recruiting um, together. And I think that's why you're seeing, uh, you know, the defensive recruiting really pick up again the way that we were used to seeing at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that shift got steered in the right direction in the 2023 cycle defensively. Uh, just getting back to those to those big time guys, right? Like, I'm pretty sure Jermaine Matthews ended up being a five star by on three um, when it was all said and done. And I'm pretty sure that was the only five-star defensive guy Ohio State signed in the 2023 class. 
And then Tim Walton does it again and gets Aaron Scott in the class. But then Larry Johnson, uh, for all the knocks against Larry Johnson right now, uh, also Larry Johnson, Larry gonna Larry Johnson, and he got a five-star edge rusher. Um, obviously, it's not enough, as we have said. Um, it's certainly not enough, especially when this is a class that was wanting uh, to sign, you know, five or six guys. Well, you're three or four short, but you brought in a five-star. So I don't know, man. It's a delicate balance right there. Uh, and I, I think it's kind of leaning more toward, for me anyway, it's leaning more toward what you didn't do rather than what you did do. But recognizing what you did do is very, very impressive, especially when Nick Saban was calling at the you know, 11th hour to say, hey, look, come play here. Um, I don't know. It, it's certainly going in a direction, in a holistic viewpoint, I would say, going in the right way. Um, and I don't think there's any reason why to be upset that, you know, Ohio State is bringing in good talent. You know, that like that is the case. It's always I always feel like when, you know, we're talking about this stuff, it's always like, well, what didn't you do? What didn't you do? What didn't you do? And uh, quite frankly, after a while, that gets kind of kind of bogs you down a little bit, you know. Um, and we're going to like we do that, you know, I, I, we are critical. That is our job is to be critical. But I also feel like part of our job is to highlight what went right, you know, mm -hmm. like what they did do right and ohio state has had a dynamic offense for however many years ryan day has been the head coach at ohio state and quite honestly the offensive coordinator at ohio state as well and that allows ohio state to go out and get five-star wide receivers and five-star quarterbacks and everything like that now the there is a conversation to be had about the fact that you know they can't get that elite offensive tackle or something like that and We'll get into the offensive line class in a, in you know a minute here, talking about the four guys that they did bring in. Um, but I like the running backs that they brought in too. I really like James Peoples a lot. Um, I really like him a lot. So things are going from a holistic standpoint. Things are going in the direction that I think they should. And we talked about this yesterday on on the rapid reaction after Ryan Day's press conference that uh, it's not as bad as it seems. Like Ohio State, like there's been such a negative funk about Ohio State ever since it lost to Michigan, which I mean, rightfully so. There's there was mediocre quarterback play the entire year um, at Ohio State, which is something that Ohio State fans haven't seen in I don't know how long. Uh, honestly, at this point, like it, it's kind of ridiculous the run that Ohio State has had at the position and. You know, Ohio State's 37 yards away from being more likely than not 13-0 and 0 and going to the college football playoff in a few days from now. Um, but that's not the case. What was the case was there's, you know, there's been the funk that's been around the program uh, because of losing to Michigan. And then, you know, the transfer portal has opened up and it's been all about, well, this guy's in the portal. Why isn't Ohio State pursuing them? You know, and there's so many unknowns. But we got 20 known facts yesterday. Uh, and I think that's FAX. FAX, that's right. I didn't even really think about that. Like I said, man, it's been a long couple of days here. And that deserves to be celebrated. You know, that deserves yep. to be celebrated. So kind of kind of rambling there, as I do on this show. Um, kind of rambling there. But the point, the point is. Yes, there's more that Ohio State needs to get done, specifically looking at the defensive side of the ball. 
And the defensive staff is starting to gel together. And that's why we are seeing these recruitments from a holistic standpoint, from a whole total point of view, go Ohio State's way. Uh, there's more to be desired in the defensive line, certainly, uh, even at safety position. And they signed a top 150 prospect yesterday with Jalen McLean, but there's more to be desired at the safety position. Um, and it also helps that Ohio State's defense is actually pretty good now. You know, I think kids are starting to see that. And uh, I am really, really intrigued how the 2025 cycle goes for Ohio State. But I don't want to think about 2025 right now. So uh, of the eight, the top eight players on the Ohio State board who signed yesterday, according to the on three industry ranking, four of them on defense, four of them on offense. I think the top of the class is very balanced. Um, there's a linebacker in there. There's a corner. There's the defensive end. Um, and then on the offensive side, there's two wide receivers. There's a uh, running back. And then there's a a quarterback. That's, I did not mention offensive line, but I am on the record right now saying that uh, I think this offensive line class is severely underrated. I actually really like what Justin Fry and, and the group did in this, in this class. Uh, obviously, there's some meat left on that bone. They were in on in on guys like a Gerby Lambert who ends up at Notre Dame. They were in on guys like a Jordan Seaton who we have no clue where he's going to go, but I think they avoided a lot of unneeded drama um, by um, that recruitment not going their way. Um, I, they were in on a couple other guys just in this class that, that could have gone their way and could have made this offensive line class even better. Um, but it is what it is at this point with the offensive line class, and, and that's not to say that Ohio State settled. But I will – I always reserve judgment on the offensive line class because you just don't know how guys are going to develop. If you looked at that 2020 class – or that – what year? I think 2019 class, you know, people were down on some of the guys at the bottom of that uh, recruiting class, including a three-star kid from Indiana who was a basketball player. And right now he's one of the he, – his season's over, but he's one of the best offensive tackles uh, – rookie offensive tackles in the NFL – for the Cleveland Browns, and that's Dewan Jones, and he developed at Ohio State into that. Um, so it's hard to pass judgment on an offensive line class on signing day. Obviously, it's better to work with five stars than it is three stars because the the baseline level of talent is different. But I, I think that's where this conversation should go because it's one of those groups that you look at on paper. Obviously, you look at wide receiver. Oh my gosh, Jeremiah Smith, Mylon Graham, you fall in love. You look at corner, you're going to fall in love. We're going to talk. We're going to cover all of that. But if you just look up and down the, the, the class, you're going to look at the offensive line and think, ah, there's some meat left on that bone. But I think that Justin Fry and the Buckeyes found the right pieces for this class, and, and I do like what they've done. Uh, a couple developmental pieces and a couple pieces they think they can really, really push and work with here. Yeah, I mean, with what they signed, the class starts and ends with Ian Moore, right? Six foot six, three fifteen, uh, from New Palestine, Indiana. And we saw him play in September – and he, he admitted to us, so we can go out and say it, that uh, the first quarter of the game that we saw him play was not his best football, but the <laughs> second, third, and fourth quarter was some of the best football that I've ever seen from an offensive lineman. I mean, just – you talk about clamps. I know that's a basketball term, right? But uh, as it applies to football, I mean, yeah, like there's a reason why he's going to Ohio State. Um and he, you know, committed early. He was the first commit in the Ohio State 2024 class. Uh, I'm not going to count Dylan Rayola in this because he's not in the class. So, you know, he doesn't count. Um, committed, Ian Moore committed in 
October of 2022 and, you know, shut it down. I mean, Notre Dame tried to enter the picture and Ian grew up a Notre Dame fan and he was like, yeah, no, I'm going to Ohio State. That's where I want to be. You know, love Justin Fry, love Mike Seleni, you know, Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, all of them. Um, and then you see a guy, a late bloomer like Gabe Van Sickle, who 6'5", 315, going to start out as a guard when he gets to Ohio State, can play center. He's not going to be an early enrollee. He actually just started his basketball season uh, not too long ago out there in Coopersville, Michigan. And the thing about all four of these guys, and that's not to forget, by the way, the Armstrong twins, Deontay and Devontae from Lakewood St. Ed's up there in Cleveland area. Um, all four of these guys fit what Ohio State wants to do schematically, which is a lot of zone movement. You know, these guys are athletic enough to do that. Uh, and that's a big reason why Ohio State targeted these guys. They signed them. They're bringing them into the program. And it's super, super, super big that three of those four are going to be on campus in January, especially the Armstrong twins, because typically you don't see a lot of guys from private schools, you know, the, the Catholic schools uh, enroll early for whatever reason they, they you know, just that it doesn't happen. But uh, the twins are going to be at Ohio State in January. And that is that is very big for Ohio State. And it's big for them. It allows them to get their career started early. They can get in the weight room with Mickey Marotti and and really get after it, start to really fill out those frames that Ohio State saw on the trail and recognized, hey, you know, because at this time a year ago, I mean, maybe even a little bit before this time a year ago, but they looked like, I mean, tight ends and linebackers. And, and now you see what Ohio State saw down the road that, mm -hmm. I mean, you see guys that they have the body. They just have to work it. They have to put the weight on. They have to put the muscle on and everything like that. And uh, I saw the Armstrongs play uh, September. I think it was in September. Um, they played good counsel from Maryland and they played up in Lakewood and good counsel has, you know, I mean, they're, they have a very good football team. Uh, on that defense is four-star edge rusher, Darian Mayo, who signed with Clemson yesterday. And uh, he didn't give the Armstrongs any problems anytime that he went up against them. And as a matter of fact, in that second half of that game, good counsel defense stopped putting Mayo on the Armstrong's side of the ball. So like, the talent is there. The potential is there. It's just development, which offensive line is, you know, one of the, that's one of the biggest positions where development has, has to happen. Um, and I think, I think the proof is kind of in the pudding for what Justin Fry can do as a coach. When you look at what happened at the start of the Ohio state 2023 season versus what happened at the end of the 2023 season, Part of that, I think, kind of comes with schematic changes as well uh, and recognizing what this offensive line can and can't do, which is just as important as developing guys, quite honestly, because, you know, you'll hear coaches all the time say, oh, well, we have to coach ourselves. And Ohio State wasn't doing that for the first six weeks of the season, in my opinion. And then they did. And Ohio State all of a sudden could run the ball. So, like, explain that to me. You know, I know I don't cover the team, but I'm around the team as much as you guys are. So, like. You know, I, I see the same things and I'm just like, OK, well, now this makes sense. They changed things up. But now they're recruiting the guys that fit what they want to do. And that's what that's super important. You know, 
with the 2023 class, we saw Luke Montgomery get some playing time, you know, his freshman year. But, I mean, they're really excited with the development of Austin Saraveld and Josh Padilla. And, you know, we haven't heard too much about Miles Walker, but that was that was a big that was a, a big flyer, in my opinion. He has he looks the part, but they got to get him in there. And as it relates to the 2024 class, like, man, I think I think Ohio State fans should be pretty excited about uh, especially Ian Moore. I mean, he is just he's a really good football player and he's excited to work with Justin Fry and Mike Seleni. I mean, so are the Armstrongs and and Gabe Van Sickle was a was a late find originally committed to Northwestern. And I mean, Northwestern is pretty good at developing offensive linemen and sending them to the NFL as well. So, like, that's not a knock against Northwestern football that Ohio State flipped the kid uh, from Northwestern. Like, that's a good get. So and yeah, I mean, you said it. The, the, the Jordan Seatons of the world and, you know, the Gerby Lamberts and Brandon Bakers of the world, they're, you know, they're not going to Ohio State, okay? They're, they're not. So someone asked this yesterday at Ryan Day's press conference, if, if there is a need to expand, and this is more geared toward the defensive line, but I'm going to twist this to fit what we were talking about now. Is there a need to have a wider net as it relates to defensive line? That was, that was the question. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that can also be true of, of the offensive line. You know, Ohio State is is swinging for the top guys, as it should, because Ohio State is a top program in college football. Um, but, you know, like you look at a guy like uh, at William Satterwhite, who just signed with Tennessee, but is from Akron Archbishop Hoban. And you go back at, and, you know, is there should should Ohio State have done a second evaluation? You know, like there's a lot of questions to be asked about a lot of things, quite honestly, uh, as it relates to recruiting in the trenches. But with the four guys that are heading to Ohio State, the potential is there. The talent for a couple of them is already there. Now it's just making something with the ingredients, you know, and that's I, that's that's part of the fun. I really like uh Gabe Van Sickle. I really do. I think that he's a swing guy who's versatile. Uh, he's athletic. Ohio State loves the way, you know, you you hear like uh, draft guys and football guys say like, he, he has great bend. He has, he does this well. He does that well. Uh, you know, I think that all of those traits can be applied to Gabe Van Sickle. And to the, the wider net, of course, you could have looked at William Satterway. You could have tried to get back in on Brandon Baker when when Nebraska was trying to get back in on him here and Oregon was trying to get back in on him. You could have probably contacted Jordan Seaton if you think it's worth it. But I actually think Ohio State did a really good job. Once it's very apparent that Brandon Baker is sticking with Texas, once it's very apparent that Jordan Seaton is uh, maybe not worth the – the juice is not worth the squeeze there when it comes to the, the drama that was going to be filled – uh, you know, still is ongoing with his recruitment. Um, the Buckeyes pivoted pretty well, and they find a guy who you turn on the junior tape, you turn on the senior tape, you won't recognize Gabe yeah. Van Sickle. He he really progressed as a senior. Those are the kind of finds that have made the Ohio State offensive line really good. You know, they did it with Josh Fryer. They did it with um, – and I think Fryer got better as the year went on. Not not maybe didn't take the steps that you wanted him to, but, but got better. Uh, they expanded the net last year when they got Josh Simmons in the spring spring window after missing on the guys in the winter window of uh, the transfer portal. 
Uh, and and you saw the way Josh Simmons looked in game one. I, I thought he was really bad, to be honest. And by game 12, he was probably their best offensive lineman. So like, I would definitely say he was. Yeah. Not only the development there, but the way that, that, that the Buckeyes have kind of gone back in and, okay, where do we need to reevaluate some guys? And maybe that's not the William Satterwhites, who I also agree should have been in a guy that they at least looked at and maybe tried to flip. But on the offensive line, I think they've done a really good job. They identified Ian Moore early. They, they, they everyone always knew that the Armstrongs were a known commodity. So, so you know that's one that you kind of have to go get. But the Buckeyes saw, and you know I'm not bashing the Michigan recruiting class whatsoever. The Buckeyes evaluated, uh, you know, a couple other guys in the state of Ohio that that ended up at Michigan. And, you know, like a Luke Hamilton, like a Ben Roebuck, who I like both of those players. But the Buckeyes evaluated those guys and said, that's okay. I know they're in state, but that's okay. We're going to do other things on the offensive line recruiting. Didn't panic when Brandon Baker uh, committed elsewhere. Didn't panic when it looked like Jordan Seaton was was not going to go their direction. And they went out and they found a Gabe Van Sickle. And I give a lot of credit to Ohio State for doing that and finding a guy who – you know, once Ohio State gets involved, the scouts look back at this kid and say, okay, what is Ohio State seeing? And then he gets that ratings bump. That's not necessarily a Buckeye bump. It's just like, okay, if one of the top five programs in America is looking at this kid, maybe we should reevaluate. And now you're seeing that rating for Gabe Van Sickle go up. And sure. so I, I think that they did a, a nice job with Justin Fry and Ryan Day. And I'm not carrying water for these guys. I don't have to. They make a million dollars a year. They don't need me to do that on a YouTube channel. But like, I think they're doing a good job of when they see, um, you know, that things might not be going in their direction. They don't panic. They don't throw out a, a courtesy offer to a kid in Ohio that they don't think can cut it. They go out and they find a player. And they found Josh Simmons in the transfer portal last year. They didn't panic this year. And they found Gabe Van Sickle. And I think it's working out in their direction right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing, it, it's all potential right now, right? That's the thing. It, it's, it's what you see. It, it's what Ohio State sees on tape. And then the potential of, of being great at the next level. And, I mean, you mentioned it. You throw on Gabe Van Sickle's tape and, like, that's a man with bad intentions. And, like, Ohio State needs more of that on its offensive line. There were times this year where I thought Ohio State's offensive line was maybe a little too passive. You know, they just didn't seem super aggressive at times, which – it's not great when when you're an offensive line, you know, like you want to be known for Ohio State is, uh, you know, they, they want to be known as being tough. Like Ryan Day had, had had a fit on national television at Lou Holtz, like which is an all time Ohio State moment, by the way, you know, questioning the program's toughness. And at times I didn't think the offensive line was was super aggressive, was super great. But Ohio State's bringing in guys right now to fix that. And, you know, that's that's super important as well. It has to be there are a lot of things that go into it. You know, part of the equation, a, a lot. The largest part of the equation, of course, is can they play football? Yes. OK, boom. That checks off the biggest box. That's the obvious thing. But part of it is also the mental side of the game. If they make a mistake in a game because Ohio State, I mean, every program in the country, they don't watch the highlights. They watch the entire game. That's the scouting department at every FBS school, Power Five, Group Five, it, it doesn't matter. They spend so many hours watching full games of high school football players. I would not want that job at all. I would not want that job. You know, that doesn't that that's tough. Uh 
what I am getting at here is the 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 makeup of of getting guys and, and taking guys is the mental aspect is a big part of it as well. And you know, if they make a mistake, do they make the same mistake twice? Are they checked in when the game is, you know, 49 to 7 in a good way, 49 to 7 in a bad way? Um, and stuff like that. That stuff shows on film. It shows up in conversations when you talk to people because it doesn't even have to be about football. You can talk to someone about anything. And if you pick up on it, like you're going to understand like, okay, like that's, that's who this person is, you know, recruiting the culture is a big thing for Ohio state. Recruiting their culture is a big thing as well. And that's all 20 of those guys that are in the class and those four, particularly in the offensive line, not only is, do they represent what the culture is, but they represent what Ohio state wants the culture to be moving forward. And I think you talk to, I mean, you look at all 20 of those guys and they all have their own story and their own, you know, in their, in their own thing and whatever. And they're just a really good representation of what Ohio state is. And something that this just made me think of this, by the way, so right now, as it stands, and I haven't checked this morning, but I'm assuming it's still the case. Ohio State has the number three class in the country, according to the on three team industry rankings. They signed 20 kids and have the number three class. Georgia, who has the number one class, signed 26, 27, something 20, like that. 28 commits. Okay, and Alabama's number two, and how many do they have? Uh, 25. Okay, so Ohio State has 20 and has the number three class in the country. What does that tell you about the quality of player that's going to Ohio State? And I understand yeah. that, yeah, it is a little skewed because, like, the top two guys are wide receivers. But you mentioned that the top eight, it's an even split. It's four and four. And then you go down and you look at the thing and, and, and everything like that. And having 20 guys sign and still having the number three class is pretty impressive, Spence. Yeah, the per player average, the per player average for Ohio State is third behind Georgia, Alabama. They're ahead of Texas A&M. They're definitely far ahead of Miami. Miami signs twenty-seven guys. The top end looks really good, but you look at the bottom of the roster, and that's how you build the depth of these rosters. And I think that's lacking there for the Canes. So Ohio State doing a really good job. Um, and again, like we said this yesterday in the video, we're not trying to blow smoke here. Like uh, you know, there are areas where deficiencies are. Um, you know, I'd love for some folks to get in the comments here, have some recruiting questions. Right now, the comments are arguing about Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, uh, but, you know, that's what comment sections do. But I would love to see some recruiting questions. We'll answer any of them. Um, so we love the comments, even the, even the trolls. Uh, we're definitely watching these comments, but they're fun to watch as they roll in. But uh, if you have any questions, throw them down in there. We'd love to talk. Um, anything you guys want to talk about. But, Matt, let's let's transition here. Good that's a good discussion. I just figured out how to look at the comments. I haven't done a live a live here, so I'm going I'm going back and looking at the comments here. Keep it going though with what you were gonna say. Sorry. Yeah, let, let's switch gears here. Um okay. because you know, defensive line, there's not really a lot to talk about. I think Edric Houston's gonna play um in year one. I think uh Eric Mensa is a developmental piece that I think could be good down the road. He's one of those guys um, that Ohio State targets who's toolsy. It has the the tools that you need um, to be good, but isn't necessarily a guy that you're going to see play like early in his Ohio State career. Um, and I could be wrong about that. He could be a guy who surprises. But, Matt, I want to talk about the secondary and not just the cornerback class, but the safety class because um, 
it's going to sound like trying to pump sunshine when in reality it's it's not really pumping sunshine. I think Ohio State really likes Leroy Roker. They feel like he's a guy that uh, was under-recruited by and large by most of college football. So they go target him and make sure that he's a part of the class. They get Jalen McClain, who I've had a source, uh, a top Ohio State source of mine, tell me that they think Jalen McClain has that Malik Hartford potential to play really early in his Ohio State career. Watch him on special teams. He could be um, up there. And he's not in my newly released five instant impact Buckeyes because I think there's just a lot of variance that comes with, do you play on special teams? Can you play on defense? And there's a few other guys I think could play earlier. But like this secondary class, Aaron Scott and Bryce West are what they are. Like they are top, top level corners on par, I think, with – Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt from last year. Miles Lockhart, if you watch the film, he reminds me of what Jordan Hancock looked like in high school. So, like, you're, the cornerback class is there. And Tim, Tim Walton's doing an incredible job. He's definitely going to be one of the top recruiters when we do the recruiting list uh, later on on Thursday. But I think just as a, a system, and I think Perry Eliano could, could be better on the recruiting trail with these top guys. Uh, we'll yeah, say absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I completely agree. But when you look at what they're doing overall as recruiting the secondary as a group of five, not a group of five level, but like a group of the five guys in the secondary, you see a vision for what they want the secondary to be. And I think the recruiting fits the vision of what they want it to be, but I don't think that it's at the level that it should be in one spot, and that's probably the deep safety position. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State, like, I mean, let's be real about it, right? Ohio State, uh, at the start of the Jim Knowles era, they called it a safety-driven defense. That's mm-hmm. what they called it. And when you can't bring in elite safeties into a safety-driven defense, that's not good. Like, that, that, I'm just being honest. That's not good. How are you going to bring in the best players in the country in a defense that favors them, you know? Uh now, I'm on the notion that if Ohio State had a good game against Michigan in 2022, Caleb Downs would be a Buckeye. I have that feeling. That, that's just my take. But, yep. but you know, that didn't happen. How it happened, who's to say? I don't know. I just cover recruiting. That's all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Leroy Roker was being recruited by Iowa uh, – which Iowa, I mean, they they find these guys. They uh, Iowa does a good job of scouting overlooked guys and develop the, developing them into NFL talent. Um, Perry Eliano, I mean, he developed Sauce Gardner at Cincinnati into a first-round draft pick, but that was a corner. Can he develop safeties? That's the question. And we're seeing, I mean, that's happened. I mean, Lathan Ransom, if, if he stays healthy, who knows what the rest of his season looks like at Ohio State. Uh, Sonny Styles is what Sonny Styles is. I mean, I'll be super honest with you. That guy could probably play every single spot on the defense with his frame. Uh, weight fluctuate. He could cut or add like a wrestler does, quite honestly. He'd be great at every spot. To me, the biggest thing to look at development for Ohio State with its current secondary coaches are the freshmen that played this year. And that was Malik Hartford, who started a game. Now, granted, maybe some of that was injury-related, uh, and, but the thing is, is, okay, hang on. I just saw this in the comment. The big question is how can you not land your cousin at your position group at coach Eliano Mello number seven? 
I don't know if that's a uh, Carmelo Anthony thing or whatever, but anyway, I digress, as someone else said in the comments. Yeah, like that's a question. How can you not land someone that you have a personal relationship with, right? Like that's a frustrating thing. Uh, there you go. Yeah. How how can you not land someone that is that you have a personal? I'm getting there. Hang on. Don't cut me off. I I, I got it. Other things are in factor in recruitments. NIL is a thing in recruitment, and you hear that talked about on every single Ohio State recruiting show of all time. Yes. Ohio State is not going to make high school freshmen the highest paid players. That's how Ohio State didn't get K.J. Bolden. It's that simple. That's why Florida State had him committed, but then Georgia at the last second swooped in, and now all of a sudden you're seeing these magical stories on signing day that Florida State doesn't really have have the money. So I'm just telling you how it is. They're, they're not going to offer – big old bags of cash to kids that haven't played it down in college football, whether that's right or not. I'm not the one to make that call, but I am the one that's going to call it how I see it. And that's what happened there. So I hope that answers the question back to Leroy Roker. Well, yeah, he's a big flyer and like, you got to hope that it pans out. That's mm -hmm. really all it is. You just got to hope that what you saw on tape pans out. I mean, Mark Pantone on Twitter yesterday said that his tape, uh, his tape had shades of Malik Hooker. That's an awfully big comparison for a kid that has only started playing football seriously going into his senior year of high school. So I'm very critical of the safety position because I, I want it to be good because you want things to be good. So it's a, lo a little bit easy to cover. Like that's the truth of the, of the reality here. And when things are good, it's a little bit easier to get information and things like that. Because coaches are, are are happier to uh, talk about stuff, you know. People are, are are happier to share information. But when you're when you're hoping on guys to work out, that's not the direction you want to be if you're Ohio State. Now, there's no such thing as like a surefire bet uh, when it comes to high school recruiting. Even with Jeremiah Smith, now he is as close to a surefire thing as you could possibly imagine. But if you're Ohio State, you can't got you can't sign guys hoping they pan out. Like you just can't do that. So, but that's where that's where Ohio State's at with with the safety position. Now that's to say, unless you had uh, something else that you wanted to add, but I was going to circle to Jalen McLean, who I think is a very good player. Yeah, I I, I do because we got a question here. Uh, okay. Do we really think Hughes, Edric Houston will play in year one? Since Day has been here, that hasn't happened. Well, it does pertain to the secondary because I'm just gonna. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be critical here, but Zach Harrison started games as a true freshman in 2019. Lathan Ransom started the Big Ten Championship game in 2020 for Ohio State as a true freshman. In 2021, JT2 Imolua was only on campus for two months and then and then played more than 20 snaps against Minnesota in the season opener and had a big role in 2021. Uh, 2022, Sonny Styles is a true freshman at 17 years old, started in the Peach Bowl against Georgia in the College Bowl playoff semifinal. Um, Carnell Tate had over 20 catches this year as a true freshman. At the wide receiver position, the same near the, the same amount of catches as Garrett Wilson had in 2019 with head coach Ryan Day from the wide receiver position. Jack Sawyer played a little bit as a true freshman. Tyleek Williams had a big impact as a true freshman. Mike Hall played a little bit during his true freshman season. Um, Kate McDonald this year? Caden McDonald played a little bit as a true freshman. In 2022, Jair Brown and uh, started games as a true freshman. J.K. Johnson had games where he played in 2021 as a true freshman. 
Uh, Jordan Hancock, the only reason he didn't is because he enrolled late and then had to develop and had a couple injuries here and there. Julian Fleming in 2020 had injuries, but he still played as a true freshman at wide receiver. Um, in 2023, Jermaine Matthews and Malik Hartford both started games in the secondary as true freshmen. The notion that Ohio State does not play young guys is one of the crazier notions that I have ran into in my five years. Uh, next year will be my sixth year on the beat. I've covered this team since Ryan Day took over. I did not cover any Urban Meyer teams. I will tell you, more true freshmen play under Ryan Day than they did under Urban Meyer. And there, there's a thing about, well, C.J. Hicks didn't play as a true freshman. Well, linebacker's hard to play. Linebacker is a hard position to play. Well, this guy didn't play as a true – guys – Ohio State puts a lot of freshmen in big-time roles. Malik Hartford was on the field for one snap against Michigan. Michigan targeted him and scored a touchdown. Like, it's hard for true freshmen to play. So I don't mean to be critical of, of the folks watching. I love the folks who watch. But, like, when you look at the amount of true freshmen who play for Ohio State, Brandon Ennis played almost every game. Arvo Reese played on special teams for Ohio State this year despite getting there in the summer. Like, the amount of true freshmen who are playing for Ohio State is pretty staggering for a team trying to win a national championship. And Jalen McClain, I'll get you there, could be next. Well, because I have a, I have we've already off. heard. I want to piggyback off of, of what you're talking about now. Um, Ohio State also has a, a pretty unique situation in the last couple of years where guys are staying. And maybe that's a development thing. Maybe that's more likely than not a development thing. And maybe that's why you're not seeing like, you know, there are programs across the country, like even some of the big boys, like Alabama and Georgia, like, yeah, like they're, they're playing probably more freshmen than Ohio state does, but like Ohio state is a veteran team and that's not necessarily a bad thing either. That, that gives good practice reps, uh, good mental reps for younger guys. Obviously, game reps are the thing that are most important, but like you can't rush a development. That's the biggest thing. You can't rush a development because if you put a kid in a spot and he's not ready, that's going to cost you six points like it did against Michigan. Um, you know, so and the, the the question at hand, I think, with Edric is not about, well, you know, will he play for Ryan Day? Will he play in his first year for Larry Johnson? That's the biggest thing. And, you know, NFL decisions are still yet to be made uh, or announced, I should say. I don't know what's going on um, for JT, Tui Moloau, and, and Jack Sawyer. Uh, if they come back, you know, what happens for Edric Houston? Uh, Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry are, are in the wings, ready to go, no matter what those two, what the two starters from this past season decide to do. So uh, it'll be interesting. But Ohio State is counting on Edric Houston to play. Like Ryan Day said so in his, in his press conference once, once the once the facts cleared. So if that's the expectation when a guy, you know, signed his letter of intent, I think it's pretty telling to say that Ohio State has plans for him to play. If that's yeah. the expectation on signing day, I mean, I don't know. We'll, I mean, we'll see. I don't know everything, you know. Mm -hmm. I know – I know more what I don't know than what I do know, you know, but I would like if Edric Houston played. I think that'd be awesome because he's a very good football player, but Ohio State has better, more experienced football players. And that's the fact. I I really like um, what Ohio State did. And 
This is going to sound weird. I like what Ohio State did on special teams this year with Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt. When Calvin Simpson Hunt was finally ready to play, they not only put him in the game in the third quarter on defense, but they also played him a lot on special teams to get the speed of the game. And then when he does get in there on defense against like a Purdue, he blows up a screenplay with three offensive linemen coming right at him. So like you saw that development there late in the season with Calvin Simpson Hunt. You saw Jermaine Matthews, um, you know, on – uh, the field for big time moments this year. You saw Brandon Ennis on special teams, and then he gets in the game against Purdue. He scores a touchdown. So, like, you're uh, you're you're getting some some good movement there from special teams to the defensive side of the ball, from special teams into the offensive equation. I think that's going to be the same path that you see this secondary class take next year. There's not a lot of room, in my opinion, for a guy like an Aaron Scott, even a five star. With the way that this room is constructed right now, for him to get on the field as a true freshman on the in the defense, for Jalen McClain to get on the field as a true freshman in the defense. But if Aaron Scott and Jalen McClain are your gunners on special teams, and then all of a sudden you see them out there in a blowout, and then all of a sudden you see them out there in the third quarter in November, and then you see them out there for special teams in the college football playoff next year, you're going to say, okay, those freshmen are coming on. And it doesn't have to be on defense. But that's where I think. That's a big Urban Meyer thing. You know, I love, I love what, what those guys are doing in that secondary right now. The way that they're not only recruiting, but the way that they set these guys up for success by putting them in positions as true freshmen in the secondary, which is hard to trust guys. Yeah. Tim Walton and Perry Oliano are showing you that they have big plans for the future of this secondary by what they're doing with them as true freshmen. And I think you're going to see the same thing apply to Aaron Scott and Bryce West and Miles Lockhart and Jalen McClain, and possibly Leroy Roker. I think the biggest, like, I guess point of evidence to that claim is Jermaine Matthews. Like, yeah. Look at what he did when he got his opportunity as a true freshman, you know, like against Big Ten competition. Like, I thought he held his own against Purdue. I thought, I thought he was pretty solid against Purdue. Uh, and he had – now I understand, like, it's Western Kentucky, but also understand uh, – he's an 18 year old kid playing college football for the first time in Ohio stadium. And he scores a pick six, like against a veteran guy again, against a veteran guy. So like the notion that like, good things are happening, like development is happening, especially at the secondary position where the secondary position since, Oh gosh, Spence. I mean, how, how long do you want to go back? The last time you could say that BIA was actually a real thing because it hasn't been for however many years and now it's like creeping back that way and it's because of the guys that they're recruiting and it's because of the development that's happening like Denzel Burke I mean look at the season he had no one threw the ball his way man like and that's exactly what's happening with the development of these young guys and then you bring in like a six foot two Aaron Scott who's going to be on campus in January like come on Ohio State's trending right now for Devin Sanchez, the five-star 2025 cornerback who's committing on January 6th. I think that's going to go Ohio State's way. Dorian Brew is a six-foot-two cornerback from Texas, played in Dayton, moved back to Texas. They're trending for him. I mean, it's ridiculous. The things that are happening for Ohio State on the trail, you're seeing it directly show up in games. And it's only two years of Tim Walton at, on the, at the cornerback position. There is more to be desired for the safety position. There certainly is. And I think there, there needs to be 
more. You need to see more. I think part of that starts with recruiting guys earlier, getting on guys earlier. Uh, in the 2025 cycle, Ohio State, in my opinion, Ohio State's recruiting their top safety target, Fahim Delane, as hard as they did any of their 2024 targets. And that's a cycle behind. That's how it has to be moving forward. And not just at safety position, but at all of the positions. That's how you get guys in the fold. That's how you build those relationships that Ohio State still wants to have their recruitments be centered around. And that's how you win. You get in, you get in early, you get in, you know, recruit kids as hard as possible. And, and that's how it goes. But now, now I'm getting, you know, now I'm getting a little fired up. So let's talk about the mess that was defensive line because it was a disaster. It absolutely was. Um, it was. When you're I'll expecting when you're expecting to sign five or six guys and you bring in two, that's not good. So I, that's, that's my take. Okay. So let's, let's do this right now as the roster stands with only two defensive linemen committed or signed with only two guys signed. Ohio state is still almost at the scholarship limit. And I have a roster tracker in a Google sheet because I'm a, I love Google sheets. I use Excel. Yeah. I'm a nerd. I use Excel and Google sheets for everything. I have the roster tracker. Ohio State wants to be at eight defensive ends and eight defensive tackles. I know that the recruiting has looked bad the last two years, but if JT Tuimola and Jack Sawyer come back, even if Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams both leave, Ohio State will be at around eight, depending on numbers, um, eight defensive ends and eight defensive tackles in the in on the roster. So when you look at the scholarship number after losing 14 guys to the transfer portal and you look at the current roster and who will be on the roster in the spring for defensive linemen, Ohio State is where it wants to be and has to be as far as just sheer scholarship allotment for what it wants defensive linemen to be at. With that being said, Matt, and I'm going to kind of unleash you here. Oh, with, yeah, I'm ready to go, man. With that being said, that is a veteran-heavy group. And JT Tuimola and Jack Sawyer are going to have to come back. Because if they don't, then you're looking at Kenyatta Jackson, Caden Curry, and guys who have never played before. If you don't get Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton back, or Ty Hamilton and Mike Hall back, which I think Ty Hamilton, I don't think he has a decision, but um, – if you don't get Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams back, you are looking at Ty Hamilton and then hoping on projecting Taiwan Malone to be good. And then a, a Caden McDonald and some guys that you're just not really sure about. Even hero canoe. You're just not really sure down to down how good he's going to be. The group is where it needs to be numbers wise. The entire roster is pinched right now because they're looking at 83, 84. Ryan day said it in the, yesterday and he knows his roster better than anybody including you and i but was it better than you and i but the youth of the defensive line room is not good enough right now and even with edrick houston let's give a huge pat on the back to ryan day to larry johnson to whoever powers that be that need not be named um for getting the deal done with edrick houston but it's not good enough and now I see I cede my time to to the senator from Ohio. 
my biggest thing is is when it's very well known what Ohio State wants to do on the recruiting trail and it doesn't get it done at a position where it's been lacking the last now three cycles because 2021 is all the guys that you all those veteran guys that you just talked about are from 2021 right and now that five or six was the case because Ohio State was expecting all of those guys to leave and now there's uncertainty in the air about that's why if you're gonna have any pushback to 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 what I'm going to say it's this those guys are the decision is yet to be made yet to be made yet to be announced however you want to say it okay I, if anyone on the Ohio State beat knows of what everyone of what these guys are going to do I'm going to say that they don't like I'm just putting my foot in the ground there JT is he going to come back or not do I think he should probably uh I think he needs more time. I think he needs more time. I think Jack Sawyer, who came on late, I think he played his best two games as an Ohio State Buckeye against Minnesota and against Michigan. He needs to come back. Uh, Tyleek Williams, he certainly put himself into, you know, NFL draft conversation, but I think there's more meat on the bone. Mike Hall has had, you know, injury problems the last two seasons for Ohio State. If they get all of those guys back, then you know what? I'm not going to say it's okay, but it's a one-year fix for a problem that has existed for now three years. And that's where 2025, there is no exception to missing on guys. There is no excuse. You have to get your guys. You have got to land your guys. You have to expand the board. It can't just be these top-end guys that are going to places because schools are paying them. You have to dig a little deeper. You have to recruit a little bit harder. That's where the questions from other schools about Larry Johnson retiring come in. That's why that works for kids. That's why Edric Houston almost flipped to Alabama on signing day. You know, uh, the youth is not great. From a logistical standpoint, the defensive line is exactly where it needs to be. Yes, I agree with you. Because disagreeing with numbers and logic would be kind of silly, in my opinion. Um, well, it's just a fact, right? Like, they have the numbers they need for 24. Yeah. But this is a down-the-road problem, which is why it's fair to call it a disaster like you did, Matt. Because it is. Because my whole life, my, my whole job is to look down the road. That's yeah. all I do is look down the road. I don't I don't get to enjoy what's currently there. I'm all about, okay, what's next? What's next? And that's how I have to look at this. And already one of Ohio State's top edge rushers is committed to Alabama in the 2025 cycle. Uh, Javian Tilson? Yeah, from, from Cocoa High School, which is a school that Ohio State has Cedric Hawkins from. Uh, Javian Boggs in the 2025 class. Like Ohio State has good relationships with that school. Um, but you see an edge rusher commit to Alabama, and that's because he's not getting talked to by Ohio State. And that's the issue. That's the issue. You've got to be on these kids because it's a different world. You know, these kids, they want they want to be wanted. You know, I've had kids throughout this recruiting cycle and, and in the 2025 cycle, I'll ask them about, you know, certain schools and, and stuff like that. Uh, and, and, and whatever, you know, they say they want to be wanted. So, you know what, like, that's what you got to do, you know, whatever. So I don't know, man. Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's not as bad as it seems. And that's true. 
but also with the defensive line, it it is an issue. It's it an is issue, Matt. If you went into signing day and said, okay, both of these guys are going to come back, JT and Jack, and you're going to sign a five-star edge rusher and a flyer edge rusher, you don't need a defensive tackle because you're going to the transfer portal to get one. You would have said, okay, sounds good. If you had no other context for the recruiting class, if you only paid attention to recruiting on December 20th, 2023, you would be through the roof excited about what is coming to Ohio State on the defensive line. But I just scribbled down on a sticky note. The potential defensive line class that they were on pace to sign at one point. And what, honestly, we projected. I think there's a sort of lettermanrow.com with these guys all projected in the class. Edric Houston, Eric Mensa, Justin Scott, Dylan Stewart, and Marquise Lightfoot. Marquise Lightfoot, swing guy. Could probably play three-tech if you added some weight to him. Edric Houston could probably play three-tech if you added some weight to him. Dylan Stewart, true defensive end, get-after-the-passer, defensive end, edge, edge guy. Eric Mensah, the, the, the perfect three-star defensive end that would complement all of those guys, and you would probably be talking about his upside instead of this is all they settled for yep. if this was the defensive line class. And Justin Scott, a true game-wrecking defensive tackle from the Midwest that should have been a slam dunk. Now, yeah. all of those recruitments are different, all of them. And if you think – I know that Alabama was selling Edric Houston on cultural issues at Ohio State, and Ohio State got those things figured out. But if you think that there's a single program, Toledo could be recruiting against Ohio State and use Larry Johnson's age as a as a negative recruiting. Teams have been doing it since Dabo Sweeney did it with uh, – was it Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence? Um, like the teams have been doing this with Larry Johnson since he was 62. He's now 72. So it is a thing on the recruiting trail. And like, this is why I'm doing this because I know Alabama used a different way, but they also talked about Larry Johnson's age. So all of these guys have different recruitments, but when the class is supposed to look like this and instead it just looks like this, it's disappointing. And that's the bottom line. It's not a disaster. If you just look at it on December 20th, 2023, it's a disaster if you look at it from December 20th, 2022 to December 20th, 2023. And that is the biggest difference here is expectation versus reality. Reality smacked Ohio State yesterday in defensive line recruit. Yeah. I mean, they say the stand- Ohio State says the standard is the standard. And by my estimation, I don't think the standard is being upheld. It's not. You know, the question was, what do you look for in, in assistant coaches to Ryan Day yesterday? Yeah. This is the answer. The number one thing. Recruiting. That's what it is. You have to recruit the best players in the country and be the best position group in the country. Next year, if all those guys return, Ohio State could have the best defensive line in the country. 2025, I'm not, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. But don't worry, the next 365 days, I will be. So, <laughs> well, Matt, that's, I mean, like, is there anything else? I mean, you're the guy here. I'm just, I'm just trying to host and, and, and help this show along. Is there anything else defensive line wise that's worth discussing other than just like, Hey, it wasn't good enough. I mean, at some point it turns into a, a, a good critical conversation to stomping your feet in the ground and way, way, way. and looking like the scarlet tinted fellas, you know, the scarlet tinted glasses fellas. And I, I don't want that. So let's move on. 
Um, I feel like we covered the the defense pretty well. Oh, except uh, two fellas by the name of Peyton Pierce and Garrett Stover, who signed their letters of intent yesterday. Uh, not only are they really good football players, but they're great people. Um, I'm fortunate to build a relationship with both of those guys throughout their recruiting process. And they're, I mean, they're really good at football, man. Like they're just really good at football. All they want to do is show up to the Woody in January, which both of them will be. Um, and they just, they want to work out. They want to learn the playbook and then they want to go hit people. And I think that's good for Ohio state. Uh, it gives Ohio state's linebacker room uh, a little more depth, which is uh, good. I would say, even though two can only play at, at one time, given the current scheme, you still need depth at every position. Uh, it's looking like, uh, I mean, Cody Simon has announced that he will return, which is super big from a veteran standpoint. You like to have a veteran in the room. A um, lot of expectation for CJ Hicks going into 2024. Um, I don't Unless I missed it, I don't think Tommy Eichenberg or Steel Chambers have announced if they're going to play in the Cotton Bowl or not. Um, if they do, I think Ohio State would be wise to play them maybe, you know, a couple of series, maybe a quarter or whatever. I think at some point Ohio State has to let the, let the young guys loose if the, if the old guys come back that have NFL decisions, namely C.J. Hicks. Like, it's time. It's time to see what he can do when he is given a full 60 minutes. <clears throat> Um, and this is the perfect opportunity for that, in my opinion. So you have Gabe Powers coming back. Uh, I mean, Reed Carrico was in the transfer portal going to West Virginia, which I think is a great fit for him, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a great fit for him. And then you have, I mean, Arvell Reese, is he going to be a defensive end? Is he going to be a linebacker? I had someone at the Woody tell me that they're very excited for him at linebacker, but then you hear elsewhere he's going to be a defensive end. So trying to figure that out. We'll see what happens. I think he'd be great at both spots. However, dude can play football. He's certainly physical enough to play defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Nigel Glover, the uh, transfer from Northwestern at the start of the 2023 season. And then you got Peyton Pierce and Garrett Stover. So, uh, which this is just something that has like been at the back of my mind about, about Garrett Stover. He started his high school career as a safety and he has the closing speed to play in the back end. Um, if, is that something that Ohio state wants to play with? I don't think so. This is purely me thinking out loud. That's all. Like, I don't want this to be something that Ohio state is thinking about this. This is me thinking about if Ohio state is going to think about it. I want that clarity here. He has the safety speed. I mean, he's a linebacker that ran a four, four at Ohio state camp going into his senior season at two ten. Like that's, it's pretty fast, you know, yeah, he's so, a freak. He is. He is a freak athlete. And uh, he's, like I said, he's pretty good at the football. So uh, I'd be intrigued if, if they're, I mean, Perry Aliano was heavily involved in that recruitment uh, along with Ryan Day and, you know, Jim Knowles and James Laurinaitis. So that's just a thought I have in the back of my head about, about uh, the young Stover, cousin of Cade Stover, as, as everyone knows. So I don't know. Just, just thinking out loud. That's all. You are your these. I think these are your two favorite players in this entire class: Garrett Stover and Peyton Pierce. Um, just just two, two linebackers, up. two linebackers who want to rip people's heads off, uh, but also are pretty athletic. I, I think Peyton Pierce 
is the most underrated guy in this class, the most non-talked about. Well, no, he's the second most underrated guy in this class behind Mylon Graham. A five-star wide receiver, yeah. Because no, I, agree. Graham, I agree with you, though. Completely My, agree. Mylon Graham is a five-star wide receiver who gets talked about less than Brandon Ennis got talked about last year uh, because he just gets overshadowed. He just gets overshadowed because there's a guy who's an all, you know, an all world prospect and over top of it. They call it a generational prospect, I believe. Yeah. But I think Peyton Pierce, you know, just a quiet guy, not really. He had like 180 something tackles his senior year playing in Dallas, Texas, like in the Dallas Fort Worth area. That's a, a, that's a lot of football to be played. And, and secondly, like he just knows the game. Like these are two guys at Ohio State is very excited to coach and develop. So I'm excited to see how it goes for him. So, I think Peyton Beer's the future captain at Ohio State. I think you're going to see his name on the wall at some point. Um, he has the potential. He has the potential for sure. For that. Matt, for that. Yeah. Before we get out of here, Matt, there's one position that we just completely glossed over. Um, well, I guess two positions, but one spot on the field. We talked about offensive line. We've talked wide receiver. Um, we've talked – um, defensive line, linebacker, back end on the, in the defense. The whole shebang back there, yeah, for sure. Oh, by the way, Ohio State signed one of the best overall prospects in the state of Georgia who happens to play quarterback. Yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah, get to yeah. the hour and four-minute mark, and we haven't That's said a word about – too, by the yeah. way. We haven't said a word about uh, the lefty himself, Aaron Nolan. Um, closing in on that fifth star – one of the best, like I said, prospects in the Peach State played at a powerhouse in the Peach State, uh, state championships in that in the state of Georgia. Athletic, he leans on his accuracy. He's a, a little bit of a risk taker with the football because he knows how accurate he is. A little bit of that, if you if you turn on the tape and you watch the righty from the class of 2020, you watch the lefty from the class of 2024. I think yep. if you just I think if you flipped him to a righty, you would see a little bit of C.J. Stroud in the high school tape. Not in the C.J. Stroud in the Peach Bowl against Georgia tape, but C.J. Stroud as a high school kid. Like, you're going to see some parallels there. And I really, really like what Ohio State did and its ability to pivot from Dylan Rayola's decommitment, not rest on that, not get down on that. Instead, get back to work, go find a quarterback, and end up with a player who I think has a chance to be really special for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State wasted no time after, you know, the Rayola decision, which I think that worked out for Ohio State, given how that all played out for Georgia, given, you know, moving down the stretch there, signed with Nebraska after being committed to Georgia for, I don't know, however long. But yeah, there's a real special dude. Um, You're not, I mean, and you're right. And I I made this point yesterday in our video when we were done uh, at the hour and a half Ryan Day press conference with two intermissions should have gotten some popcorn while we were there. Uh, I mean, Aaron Nolan is special because he has a lot of traits that show up on film that Ohio State saw when they were recruiting CJ Stroud. The the accuracy that he has as a high school quarterback is ridiculous. I was fortunate enough to see Eric compete at the Elite 11 in Los Angeles this past summer. And I mean, you would have been, I think, Julian saying, who signed with Alabama was the only other quarterback that was that accurate uh, throughout the three days of competition. And he's, he's certainly going to be able to go to Ohio state in January and make some noise with that quarterback competition. Cause there's another one 
on deck for Ohio State unless like Devin Brown like really really runs away with the job against Missouri in the Cotton Bowl but I don't know I still think there would be room for a competition um but I mean he he's he he's a winner you know played went 15 and 0 his junior year won a class 6A championship in Georgia which is very very good high school ball um has a lot of familiarity with the guys that are at Ohio State, especially Jelani Thurman, the tight end, because they were teammates at Langston Hughes in Georgia. Um, that's the quarterback that Jeremiah Smith wanted, which that matters a lot. Like, that matters a lot. Um, and it, it was really cool watching those two actually at the Elite 11, like, really chop it up and, like, get to talk to each other. The same with Mylon Graham because he was one of the wide receivers that was there catching passes from the quarterbacks. Those three were were all pretty tight-knit already, and that was in June. And now it's December. All three have signed their letters of intent. Two of the three are going to be on campus in January. Mylon Graham is the only one of those three that isn't going to be an early enrollee. Um, so – there's a special talent. Ohio State's really excited about him. And that was a recruitment where you look back on it and like Ohio State was it Ohio State was always going to get him. You know, like looking back on it at the time, I, I wasn't sure like what was going to happen with it. And then, you know, a couple of days before a couple of days before he announced his commitment, I was like, OK, like the Buckeyes are going to get this guy. But looking back on it now, he was always going to go to Ohio State. You know, seeing the opportunity to be coached by Ryan Day and Corey Dennis and Todd Fitch and Brian Hartline and having all of those weapons at his disposal, like who wouldn't want to do that if you're a high level quarterback prospect, right? So that's that. And then you look at 2025 and while well, Ohio State has that's already taken care of. You got a guy 40 minutes up the road with Tavian St. Clair who has blossomed into one of the best high school quarterback prospects in the country um mm -hmm. so quarterback position continues to roll for the buckeyes that's for sure matt you want to talk about a guy who's completely bought into the ohio state culture already before he even gets on campus that's aaron Nolan. um yeah the, the right after the ohio state lost to michigan on november 25th aaron Nolan says january he's excited for january to get there get to work you talk about a guy who has been pushing for guys um, behind the scenes, been pushing for guys on social media, who's been can't wait to be a Buckeye, can't wait to do this. We, let's get to work, class of 2024. Yeah. A leader in every sense of the word, another guy, along with, like I said, Peyton Pierce, who I could just – you tell me this guy's a captain in three years, I would completely believe you. Uh, I, I just – I'm really excited to see what – uh, Ryan Day does with Aaron Nolan. I think that, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a shift. He's going to have to teach a lefty, which yeah. doesn't sound like it's that all that hard. Quarterback is quarterback, but you know, Ryan, Day is, Ryan Day's a footwork. Ryan Day's a big footwork guy. Every time he talks about Kyle McCord and his progression this year, it was when his footwork's good, he's good. Ryan Day loves to talk about footwork. Well, now you've got to completely flip-flop that for one specific guy. And so I think that there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve even for Ryan Day and for Aaron Nolan, just trying to get on the same page with that. I could definitely see this being a very good thing for Ohio State. Yesterday could be a banner day, almost like when we look back at the 2020 class when C.J. Stroud signed, saying, okay, like, you know, this was a this was a moment that helped Ohio State get to, to some good highs with a guy who has a chance to be a really good, not only college player, but NFL player. Um, I think Aaron Nolan 
is a, a guy to watch to know. And, you know, I put it in the five Buckeyes who could have an instant impact. I don't expect Aaron Allen to start as a true freshman, but he's going to come in because of how competitive he is mm-hmm. and, and how competitive you have shared that he is. And, 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 you know, the other people on the recruiting trail, not just in the Ohio state market, but down in Georgia, all of the folks that are on three down there, he's the kind of competitor that's going to make Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz better, even when he's a true freshman. And that's a good thing. That yes. is a good thing. And that's yes. the kind of thing that, that any program wants. They want guys to push each other. That's mm-hmm. what you should want. It, fans should want that. Like, I thought it was perfect. Uh, and, and so many, uh, the staying power of Devin Brown's tweet of the burning boats photo has so much staying power in the short term and in the long term, you know, talking about just staying there. And we heard Devin talk, uh, what was that, last week? Um Talk about how like he wants to be at Ohio State. He he went to Ohio State and chose Ohio State because of the competition and stuff like that. And when you bring in more guys like that, that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. So I'm um, I'm real excited about all 20 of these guys um to get to Ohio State. I'm real excited about what they're going to do at Ohio State when all 20 of them are there. I think the count is 16. 15 or 16 are going to be early enrollees off the top of my head. I was trying to do the quick math there, but as longtime viewers of the Letterman Lounge, no, not a math show, you know, not a math show. Um, I had a story about who the early enrollees are a couple of weeks ago. I'll rehash it up, send it back out there. Uh, I'm sure someone will let me know if I'm wrong about it, but you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, be, be be holly and jolly folks ohio state got got all the got all the people it needed or rather now let me rephrase this because it didn't get all the people it needed that's for sure um ohio state got the guys that wanted to be at ohio state and when you get that that's a good thing so not trying to blow smoke up up anyone you know but uh at some point you have to take a step back from the pitchforks and torches and be like, you know what? Okay. These are the guys that are going to be here. Let's root for them. Let's root for their success. And uh, I think that's, that's kind of where things need to start turning because we, I mean, you felt it yesterday. You felt it when, when Ryan day came back into his press conference after getting off the phone with, uh, with Edric Houston, I'm actually kind of, kind of really glad that I got like, the first question after that. And I, you know, it was just, uh, you know, was that phone call from Buford, Georgia by chance? And like, just like him being a human being, Ryan day being a human being, I think is a very good thing for Ohio state. And I think more of that needs to be seen quite honestly, not the, uh, being a human doesn't have to be just the, the tirade on the sideline against Georgia the entire time, but that was very good too. I will say, uh, having moments like that, like he did yesterday at his press conference, but like, you could just feel it, right? Like when, when Jeremiah announced that he was going to sign and then when Edric actually did sign, there was just that different feeling. Like things got lighter for everyone in the Woody when those things happen. And when things like that happen, it leads to other things. Like, that's just a fact of life. Like you have one good thing happen. There's a snowball effect, you know? So is that me being an optimist, which, I mean, you've known me for eight years, seven, eight years. I'm not exactly the most optimistic person. So I don't know. This is a conversation to be had for sure. And I'm going to choose to look at it that way because 
living in a life of negativity is is not good. It's not healthy either. So, Matt, uh, you need a last second Christmas gift. Oh, of course I do. I'd go to the Game Time app, use the promo code Buckeyes, and get twenty dollars off your first purchase uh, of tickets to the Columbus Blue Jackets to um, the Ohio State football program next year. To uh, the Ohio State hoops team seems to be um, doing better than maybe we expected them to do this year. So if you I go to the yeah, if you go to the Game Time app, GameTime.co, use the promo code Buckeyes, you get twenty dollars off your first purchase in the Game Time app of tickets. Any tickets you need. Uh, they also do this thing where if you find a ticket on the Game Time app and then you find a cheaper ticket um, it, on a competing ticketing website, you send it back to Game Time. They give you one hundred ten percent the difference. So you're making a little bit of money there. You're saving a lot of money with the Game Time app. Game Time app, GameTime.co. Use the promo code Buckeyes for twenty dollars off your first purchase in the Game Time app or at GameTime.co. Of course, terms apply, but go to Game Time, go to the Game Time app, go to GameTime.co. Use that promo code Buckeyes, and you get twenty dollars off your first purchase of any tickets your little heart desires. If you need a last second Christmas gift, get them on the Game Time app. Use the promo code Buckeyes. You save twenty dollars. Matt, before we get out of here. Um, You said Ohio State got all the people it wanted. I think it got the peoples it wanted because the Buckeyes were going to wrap things up with uh, running back. We didn't talk about this, but if Travion Henderson returns, I don't know if this running back group has a lot of concern about 2024, but the future of the running back position is definitely bright with James Peoples, with Sam Williams-Dixon. Could have been brighter with Jordan Lyle, but he's off to Miami doing whatever he wants to do in, in South Florida. And Ohio State signs two good players it's really excited about. So let's talk about running back, Matt, starting with uh, actually, let's start with Sam Williams-Dixon because I think the, the headliner there is is James Peoples, and it's easy to overlook Sam Williams-Dixon. But I think yeah. he's a really good, really good player who uh, could have a unique role in the Ohio State offense. I mean, he he can do it all, man. I saw I saw Sam play against uh, Pickerington Central. That's who it was. You better not get one of the Pickerington's wrong. No, I know because he went to Pick North, so I had to remember who who they played. His Twitter handle is right there, folks. If you got it oh, right there, if you got it wrong, yeah, let me know. Pickerington folks do not mess around. You get a Pickerington name wrong, they are going to let you know. Well, hey, there you go. I've done it before. I, I've been a victim. No, I I know. I it was he. Yeah, he, it was the Pick Central game, and that was very, by all counts, very good football game. Uh, I mean, can do can do it all, man. Like he can do just. It's not that he can do a little bit of everything well. It's that he does everything great, right? Like, this is a kid who was originally from Columbus, uh, moved to West Holmes, and then relocated back to Pickerington. And because of uh, maybe some bogus transfer rules, he didn't get to finish out his senior season. He only played in the first five games of his senior season. But, uh, I mean, he's really good, man. Like, that's that's – I know that's like not the expert analysis that people were hoping for, but like, that's just what he is. Like he's really good. He can run uh, when the ball is in his hands and he lines up in the backfield, you know, he he's very good as a running back. He's very solid as a pass catcher. He lined up in the slot a few times uh, this past fall for pick North who has very good wide receivers as well. Uh, you know, they got some, some low P five guys, high group of five guys uh, playing wide receiver for him as well. Uh, I just think he's a guy that is, that is, I feel like he's overlooked because he doesn't have like the one, like super like thing, like the one dominant trait, like for James peoples, it's the fact that his, 
like people can let me slow down for a second. I'm getting all fired up here. His player comp by a lot of people has been J.K. Dobbins and the things that J.K. Dobbins did well, you know, put his foot in the ground, run people over. Like that's how people remember J.K. Dobbins. You know, he's elusive. He can do all of those things. That's that's the same vision for James Peoples. Um, but with Sam Williams Dixon, he's like a Swiss army knife, man. You can put him in different spots in this Ohio State offense. And when Ohio State has guys like that, that's when Ohio State's at its most dangerous. It's when it has guys that it can just put in different spots and make mismatched nightmares for opposing defenses. It's the guy I think Ohio State fans should be really excited for. And Ryan Day said as much in his press conference yesterday when he said that he's counting on and expecting both of those guys to make an impact as freshmen. Like, that's a big deal. Um, so – Really excited about Sam to get to campus, and he's really excited to get to campus as well. Ryan said that he uh, that Sam has been at bowl practices, uh, just soaking up as much as he can before before he gets there. And props to him for taking advantage of that. Um, you know, only living twenty minutes away from the Woody. You know, like props to him for that for doing that. And then you have James Peoples, who was always the top priority running back for Tony Alford in the twenty twenty four cycle. Uh, and I know a lot of people are going to want to talk about Jordan Marshall, um, and rightfully so. I think Jordan Marshall is a fantastic, fantastic running back. I think he would have been wildly successful at Ohio State. And I think if Ohio State had gotten both Jordan Marshall and James Peoples, that that would have just been the best running back class in, in the 2024 cycle. No doubt about it. But the fact is Ohio State got in on Jordan late. And Mike Hart in Michigan did not, you know, they went down to Cincinnati and took away uh, one of the best players in the state. And he's now going to Michigan. So, you know, we're not going to sit here and talk about spilt milk. We're going to talk about what's heading to Columbus. And that's the number one running back on Ohio State's board, which was James Peoples. Like mm -hmm. that's that's the reality of the situation. Uh he missed some time uh, in his senior season because of an injury, but he is back. He is healthy. He got to finish out his senior season. And even in not a full season, he ran for over a thousand yards. So like that's in San Antonio, Texas. He's playing high school ball in Texas, running for over a thousand yards in a shortened season. He's a real special player. Uh, can really just put his foot in the ground, put his head down and like just run the ball. Like he is super good. The thing that I love most about his game is the cuts at the second level. Like that to me, it's not Travion Henderson-esque because what Trey does with the cuts and the field vision is like something else entirely. But but James's level of it, James Peoples' level of that as a high school football player is something to be admired. And I think that's something that Ohio State fans get to see. I mean, I, I hope they get to see it early uh, because he's – He's just a very talented guy. And then you talked about, you said this with air, but James is one of those guys that like already cares so much about Ohio state. And that's important. Like have guys that aren't even in the program yet, you know, care so much about the program. That's what makes Ohio state different than a lot of places in college football, you know, and even, even though college football isn't, you know, what it used to be, and, you know, a lot of things about the sport have changed. 
it's still an awesome sport. You know, people still watch it. Ohio State was like the second most watched team in, in college football. People still care about it. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be here talking about it. We wouldn't have people in the comments talking to us about it. You know, like college football is a good thing, man. Maybe it's not in the best place, but college football is great. And it's nice to be able to sit here and talk about kids who care about Ohio State that are going to Ohio State. And they're also very good at football. Yeah, there's a lot of guys in this class who are not from Ohio who uh, have have really like ingratiated themselves and kind of bathed in the bathed in scarlet and, and gray since they committed. James Peoples, Aaron Olin, Peyton Pierce, um, you know, Jalen McClain, Jalen McClain, Ian Moore, um, Ian Moore. Uh, his dream school was not Ohio State because there were a couple in-state schools that maybe should have recruited Ian Moore. Uh, if we're being honest, and didn't, and Justin Fry saw him early and got on there. Um, that's why we love June, man. Those recruiting camps, gotta love them. Yeah, by and large, Matt, um, we're gonna get out of here pretty quickly. Um, I think this is a it's the number three class in America, so like it's a really good class, it 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 just is. There were yep. some holes that needed to be filled that maybe Ohio State, maybe Ohio State didn't do the best job of. But there are a lot of things about this class. You're going to look out on the field in the 2025 and 2026 season and say, "Oh man, that 2024 recruiting class." I think this is a class that is going to get overlooked by some people because of what it didn't accomplish, but it's going to be a very big part of the. Of it's dumb to say it, it sounds obvious it's going to be a big part of the future of Ohio State but like look at the 2022 class right now after two years mm-hmm. and some of those guys have hit the road look at the 2020 class some of those guys panned out some of them hit the road I think this you know the 2021 class is just special but the 2024 class I think has a chance to really cement itself as one of those really good Ohio State just like solid program building classes that that is going to help them you know get back to the big 10 championship game get back to the college football playoff compete for national titles and the thing is with how with how raw and talented this 24 class is if that 21 class if that if a good bulk of that 21 class with nfl decisions decides to come back that's going to be so important for all 20 of these guys that are coming in because they mm-hmm. get to be around those guys. And when your book ended by arguably the two best recruiting classes that Ryan Day has brought in, definitely that 21 class, but the 24 class, when your program is book ended by that, and then they get to go like this, that's going to be a special thing for Ohio State. It, mm-hmm. it has the potential to be a very special thing for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't wait to see what happens. Like, I can't wait to see how it all pans out. And that's why covering recruiting is fun. Because it's all about seeing these guys go from high school football players to being Ohio State Buckeyes. And, like, that's fun. That is that is genuinely fun. Yeah, I, I again, I, I like this class. I, it, gets, it gets a seal of approval from, from Letterman Row. Yeah. And that's those, where? Those position group grades are going to be coming out. And some of them are going to be tough, but some of them are going to be, I think, pretty good. So, yeah, uh, 
Matt, this is the longest live show Letterman Row has ever done, an hour and 27 minutes now. Um, but I think we got a lot accomplished. I think there's a lot to look back on. There's going to be some freezing cold takes that come out of this in two or three years. There's going to be some scorching hot takes that come out of this in a few years that look really good. We're going to look like idiots. We're going to look like geniuses. We're going to look like recruiting guys because that's what recruiting is. You project, and then if you're wrong, you're wrong. You know, that's what it is. So, hey, if I'm right, let me know. If I'm wrong, keep it to yourself, right? That's how it works, right? Yeah. View this as a as a double episode because we're going to take next week off as you have some time off. We'll get back to it the first week of January where I think we're probably just going to go like a way too early look at everything in the 2025 class. We might have to do another long episode at that point. But I mean, that first week of January, there are commitments on tap, man. There are commitments scheduled. Ohio mm-hmm. State might be getting good news to start the new year. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to talk about uh, as it pertains to the 2025 cycle. And there's a lot to talk about this 2024 class. But we're going to be doing all of that at lettermanroad.com, you know, and I'm super pumped. Yep. If you're watching live, you can still get lettermanroad.com $1 for a month or $54.99 for a year. That's less than $5 a month until the end of today. It's a hell of a deal. Go get it right now. Lettermanroad.com is on sale through the rest of Thursday. Um, if you're a member already, we'll see you over at the Letterman Lounge. Everybody go have a cup of kindness yet for the new year. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate. Uh, make it merry and bright. Matt Parker and I are going to do exactly that. Then I will head down to DFW for the Cotton Bowl. We're only a few days away from the Cotton Bowl. One week from tomorrow, Ohio State, Missouri in that Cotton Bowl. The Buckeyes putting uh, to rest the 2024 recruiting class, signing a good batch of Buckeyes. We just talked about it all. If you missed any of it, go back and watch that. For Matt Parker on the other side of that screen, I am Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Letterman Lounge. We'll see you guys after the new year. Have a good new year. We'll see you over at lettermanrow.com.